Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than Anything you've ever known It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand Before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot Will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come From the coming storm While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from all your sin And believe on the risen Christ can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come he is a shelter from the coming storm He's the only shelter from
from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I do not intend to come and pat you on the head and say, good boy, good girl. We are in trouble. And it's very serious trouble. We are watching the beast power of revelation rise organize the world, institute its digital currency, and bring forth the mark of the beast. Now, I come with no illusions about the condition of a man or woman's heart. I have no illusion about the wickedness of a man's heart, the evil that we are capable of doing, the pride and the arrogance that we can easily walk in, the harsh and angry words, the cunning and deception. saying, I love Jesus, I'm a Christian, but have a filthy inner life, and somehow expect that our sin is going to be hidden away. Proverbs 28.13 says, You can be sure that your sin will find you out. Proverbs 28.13 He who conceals his sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Numbers 32.23 You can be sure that your sin will find you out. There is no possibility of hiddenness from the eyes of God. He looks very carefully at every one of us and says, Do I sigh in sorrow over what I have given because they have turned away from me? Are you dishonest with God? Do you pretend? Do you not know that your sin will find you out? That you can't hide from God? That a day of judgment is coming? Yea, the judgment may come much sooner. And then again, there's a final great day of judgment. I mean, this passage in Proverbs 28, he who conceals his sin doesn't prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. That's true. It's the word of God. I am particularly interested in this concept put forth in a plain way by John Wesley. Entire sanctification. But before that, he talks about crisis sanctification. And the crisis is when we come to our senses and we say, wait, what am I doing? And why do I continue this practice? There has to be an end of this. And that's the crisis. Where we recognize that we deserve hell that we have fooled ourselves, that we have been playing a game with God and with ourselves. I spoke yesterday about watch out for the deceivers. Don't be deceived. 
And the problem with deception is that we don't know we're deceived. We think we're doing great. We're on our way. We have covered over our sin. We've not allowed the Holy Spirit to come and bring deep conviction to our hearts. We've blown it off. We've we've become calloused in our heart. So we can go to the football game. We can watch the television, anything we want. We can sit and watch the cross-dressers as they perform music numbers. We can watch anything we want to watch. We can go anywhere we want to go. Why? No, No guilt, no sensitivity to wickedness because we have become deceived. We have... We've allowed our hearts to become like a hard, packed-down soil. So we have no sensitivity. I, I say this with great shame to you. There was a time in my life when I said, what do I have to repent of? I'm, I'm good to go. I've been forgiven. Jesus has covered my sins. What? I was walking in great wickedness and pride before God and had absolutely no awareness of my true condition before God. And God had to discipline me severely, yea, even removing me from pastoral ministry for seven years. I had no public Outreach, no public ministry. Just reading my Bible and praying and suffering in the in the discipline of God. Oh, I came to see my sin. I came to weep over it. I came to humble my heart. Some of you have never gone through this. You're so utterly deceived. You think you're fine. You think you're saved. You you think you're on your way to heaven. But if you begin to listen to that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit, but if you're going to listen to that voice, you're going to have to turn the world off. Now, please hear me. There is nothing good In the world, the flesh, or the devil. He is a liar. He is a deceiver. And as long as you feast on on his smorgasbord of wickedness, you will drown out the Holy Spirit's voice, and you will not be able to hear what he's saying to you, and you will be taken to hell even as what you call a Christian man or woman, because you have been deceived and don't know your real condition. Read Revelation 3. The church at Laodicea. Now I want to take you back to 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. Saul has been given every opportunity. He has been anointed with the Holy Spirit. He has lain before the Lord. He's been given a kingdom. He's been given the kingship of Israel. But now he has been directed by God as the king to take his army and attack the Amalekites and to destroy them. And so they go, but they do not completely destroy the Amalekites. They save Agag, the king, and everything that they considered to be good, the uh, the calves and the lambs, the sheep, the cattle. They've been unwilling to destroy them. They were told, 
destroy everything, kill the animals, destroy the people. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved. That is, I've taken a deep breath. I've sighed. I'm, I'm grieved in my heart that I've made Saul king because he's turned away from me. He has not carried out my instructions. In the very heart of God is this deep concern that we would in any way possible turn aside or turn away from the Lord God of heaven and not obey his instruction. And I'm here to tell you, I have done that. I have turned away from the Lord when it did not match what I wanted Samuel was so troubled, he cried out to the Lord all that night. And I too have cried out before the Lord at times all night for my own wicked heart. Please, we're all in this together. We all started in the same place with a wicked heart. Children of Adam and Eve, after the fall, with the heart of wickedness. If you read Romans, the first chapter, it describes what happens. If you read Romans, the third chapter, he talks about the reality of man's heart right now. Do you understand? Have you come to terms with the fact that you are hell-bound and you need to be saved? That you need a complete change and alteration that you might not turn away from God and you might carry out his instructions, not the instructions of the devil, not the instructions of your own heart, not the instructions of, of any other person save that of Jesus Christ. Now Saul goes to Carmel and he builds there a monument to his own success. Obviously, in his very heart of hearts, what Saul wants is respect and honor. (laughs) Some of you have heard me say, in my life, I came from a very poor family. I was always the point of, of much bullying in high school. I wanted to be respected. But I didn't have the clothes. I didn't have the the words. I didn't have what I needed. And so I began to struggle to get those things that I needed to have in order to be respected. I wanted that monument in my own honor. I have since renounced personal respect. That's why I'm not afraid to come and speak this way to you because I don't need your approval. I don't need you to fawn over me. Oh, I used to be so happy with lines of people after a great sermon coming up to congratulate me and ask me to go to dinner and Say I was the greatest. Lies, lies, lies. Seduction by the devil. I feel sorry for pastors who stand at the door to shake the hands of people as they leave the sanctuary. I feel sorry for you. Because obviously, there's a rotten core in your heart where you want that respect like I have. I know about these. I'm human. I know the journey I've had to go to renounce respect and approval. I know the journey you have to take to give up and die and become nothing. The deep discouragement in a man's heart or a woman's heart 
when they're not able to achieve all that they want to achieve for God, quote, unquote. I speak sometimes to people who are so full of themselves. Well, they've got the theology. They can talk circles around just about anybody with biblical knowledge. But they've used it as a tool to be recognized, to be approved of. Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. I remember I fired my bishop many years ago. But just before I did that, I I went to a meeting where all the pastors were. And I looked around and I saw an old friend. I said, I'll go sit with him. His name was John. I'll go sit with John, John Mutchler. I went and sat down beside him and he looked at me frightened. And he said, Ray, I can't sit beside you in this meeting. The president, the bishop will think that I'm with you. I'm a loyal denomination man. And he got up and moved. The heart of a pastor is subject to such temptation and such desire for approval. Most of us grew up as kind of mama boys. We want to please. Some pastors had the courage at the beginning to just speak the truth, but they were speaking, for the most part in America, a deceived truth. It was a lie. It was about the sinning Christian. It was about... I, I just yesterday listened to a pastor who said... Get ready. We're in the new year of 2023, and God is going to bless the church with great abundance. He's going to pour out his spirit on us, and we're going to have a wonderful time in him. Liar. He doesn't know the wickedness of his own heart. Saul did not know the wickedness of his own heart. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. No, he hadn't. He's lying. But he's deceived. But he knows he's deceived. Watch. What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, First Samuel 15, Verse 15, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but we totally destroyed the rest. Oh, he's lying through his teeth. It was not the soldier's fault that the king disobeyed the king of kings and lord of lords. And Samuel holds up his hand and says, stop. Let me tell you what the Lord told me last night. Oh, Mr. Innocent, tell me what the Lord said last night. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until they've been wiped out. Why did you not obey the word of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Wait, if you completely destroyed them, who is Agag if he is not an Amalekite? 
soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder of the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice to the Lord your God. So he puts a religious spin on this and says, look, I did what the Lord asked me to do. I'm innocent. It was the soldier's fault. Samuel replies, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Is it terrifying to you to even think about the possibility that you have been deceived and you could be rejected by God? That needs to become a terror in our hearts that we could possibly be rejected by Jesus. Saul finally says, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Oh, now it looks like he's going to get honest. But wait, he has an ulterior motive to his honesty. I was afraid of the people. It's the people's fault, prophet. I gave in to them. So I'm not a bad king. I'm just a weak king. Have mercy on me. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. Oh, now I want to go worship the Lord. He's grieved that he made me king. I've disobeyed him, but it was the people's fault. And now let's go worship the Lord. Samuel said, I will not go back with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe and it tore. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not change or lie, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Saul replied a second time but again with an ulterior motive. Please hear me. God does not accept repentance that has an ulterior motive to make me come out looking good. God's not interested in my looking good. Remember the scripture I just shared with you? He who conceals his sin doesn't prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. But please honor me before the elders of my people, Saul says, and before Israel, come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. He's after the honor given to him by people, not by the honor given to him by God. Do you understand this? So Samuel went back with Saul, but Samuel has an ulterior motive here. And Saul worshipped the Lord. It was empty worship. It was human worship. It was not acceptable worship before a holy and righteous God. Samuel says, bring me Agag, king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him confidently thinking, surely the bitterness of death is past. But Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so your mother will be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. This is Holy Spirit worship. 
I have to stop and ask you today. Is your worship before God empty human worship? Or is it Holy Spirit worship? If you're continuing in your deception and your sin, it's empty human worship. Samuel, it says, did not go to see Saul again, but he mourned for him. And the Lord was grieved that he'd made Saul king over Israel. Are you hearing me today? If you've not heard this entire broadcast, please go back and listen. Please go back and listen and listen carefully. The Lord moved on. Now, has the Lord rejected you? Has your probation closed? I think not. Hebrews, the fourth chapter says, today is the day of salvation. That day is still open to you. But that day is going to require immediate action on your part. You are going to have to confess before God that you have no idea what your sin is if you don't. You're going to have to confess before God that you've hardened your heart, that you've thought you could go your own way, and you have. Or you're going to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, and it's not a self-help process. It's not, okay, I'll work on my temper now for the next three weeks or I'll work on my patience for the next three weeks, or I'll work on this sin of fornication until I can withdraw from it. No. Righteousness does not come by works, and it does not come by white-knuckling our decision to improve our life. That's the world's way. Our way comes out of a crisis with Jesus where we recognize who we are and what we are and what we've done. We recognize the hardness of our own heart. We recognize our stubbornness. We recognize how we have hurt other people in our self-righteousness. Some have called me every name in the book, cut me off. Okay. I love them. I pray for them. Am I happy about it? No. But I know the only way they can come into Jesus Christ is to recognize their self-righteousness. to recognize the bitterness of their own heart, to recognize that they're nobody, that they're not any different than I am. I'm nobody. I have sometimes considered, when someone says to me, what's your name? I've considered answering, Pastor Nobody. (laughs) I'm nobody. Neither are you. We're all in this together. We need to help each other on this journey by praying for one another, confronting one another with the truth, dealing honestly with our own hearts. And when we've thrown the, the beam out of our own eye, pray for our brother who has a speck in his. Isn't that what Jesus said? Some of you, you just enjoy your life so much. You enjoy your work. You enjoy your your car, your truck. You enjoy what you, what you do for entertainment. 
you enjoy your sports that you participate in. You're just having a fun time in life. And here comes this killjoy pastor saying, you've been deceived. That's not how life is. Do I enjoy life? I enjoy Jesus. Do I enjoy the things that he gives to me? Yes, I do. But I have to make sure it did come from his hand and not from my own pride, not from my own arrogance. We've got to wake up. And we've got to deal with the reality that the devil is alive and well, and he is coming to devour you. And if he can keep you asleep, filling you up with sexual uncleanness, filling you up with money and pleasure, if he can continue to fill you up with all of his smorgasbord of the world, that's what Jesus looked at and said, no, thank you. I won't touch it. I will not worship you, devil. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. So we have now a king who is going to continue to rule and try to destroy the man that God will anoint. And he's finally going to end up at the end of his career. He's going to end up terrified by the army that's coming against him. And he's going to go to try to find Samuel, but Samuel's died. So he's finally going to go to a witch. And after she raises up some kind of spirit that's supposed to be Samuel. I don't think it was, because I think Samuel would have commanded him to repent. But I won't argue that point with you. What I do want to say is that the witch identifies this man as King Saul, and she's terrified. He says, don't worry about it. I won't harm you. After she obeys him, calls up the wreath from the underworld. She says, have you eaten today? No. I will fix you dinner. No. But his men who are with him say, yes, you need nourishment. And so what did they do? They sat down and put their feet like they were at home under the witch's table. Whose table have you put your feet under? David in Psalm 23 says he put his feet under the table of the Lord. You have to decide, am I going to put my feet under the devil's table or am I going to put my feet and be at home at the Lord's table? Am I going to eat the delicacies of the devil or am I going to eat the solid nourishment, the body of Jesus Christ at the table of the Lord? You have to decide. Now I know. Some of you may be quite offended by what I've said to you today. I have said it with love and compassion because we're all in this together and we need to hear truth and we need to be called out of the darkness into the light. We need to be brought forth by the power of Jesus Christ. We need to enter into Jesus. Let me read this for you. This is Colossians, the first chapter, verse 27. To them 
God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. This broadcast is meant to call you to be washed by Jesus and to be made perfect before him. Perfect in Jesus Christ. No longer walking in the way of darkness, no longer walking in the way of sin, giving up the way of the devil and walking clean in Jesus. Look at John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. My wife this morning spoke boldly out of her sleep, saying, I'm connected to the vine. Oh, yes. Yes. Connected to the vine. Gospel of John, chapter 15. So then, chapter 2, verse 6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, I want you to note, You cannot receive Christ Jesus in any way except as Lord. You don't first accept Jesus as a friend, as a Savior. You accept Jesus as Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. And you bow before him in humble worship. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's what I want. I am trying with all of my ability, which is small, to build you up in Jesus and to strengthen you in the faith of Jesus Christ, that you would hear the truth once and for all, that you must turn aside from all sin, that you must enter into Jesus by his blood, repenting, being washed, being made clean. When we speak about entering into Jesus, We're speaking about coming to that crisis sanctification where you finally say, I can't play this game anymore. I can't lust after money anymore. I can't be unconscious anymore. I can't go after the entertainment of the world anymore. I'm going to go after Jesus. I'm going to pursue Jesus Christ with all of my power, all of my heart, my strength, my will. I will have Jesus And we're brought into Jesus Christ. That's the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The only hope you have is that Jesus, in his great mercy, will not be grieved that he has made you, will not turn and leave you, but will strengthen you, will come in and transform you, transform you into his likeness, that you are like Jesus Christ. I come, the only avenue I have right now, I would love a public forum where we could meet in a public building where people could come and hear the gospel. But the only opening the Lord has given me right now is this radio and this YouTube. And I'm coming with utmost sincerity, love, and honesty to say to you, 
you must turn away from darkness. There is something so twisted in our hearts that we love darkness and not the light. And only Jesus can change that. And you must go in that crisis moment and cry aloud to him. And as you cry aloud to Jesus, he will hear and he will answer and he will transform your heart. He will make you into a new creature. You may have been a Christian for many years, but you've never faced the reality of your own wicked heart. And you're still walking in deception. You're still walking in the wickedness of your heart. Oh, you look good on the outside. You go to church, you might even pay your tithes. Some of you don't even pay your tithe. You say, well, tithe is an Old Testament. No, it's not. We could talk about that. But the minimum would be 10%. Some of you don't even give 10% of your income, let alone 15, 20, or 25%. My dad gave 50%. Some of us have given it all. It all belongs to him. But some of you will go to church And the offering plate will go by and you will not put one red cent in that offering plate. But you'll say, I'm a Christian and I love Jesus. No, you don't. No, you're not. Jesus is looking at the actions of our heart. He's looking at what we do, not just what we say. I've talked with with wives who say, my husband tells me he loves me, but he won't listen to me. My husband tells me he loves me, but he always wants his own way. My husband tells me he loves me, but it's all about him. He doesn't love me at all. I don't trust his words anymore. They're empty and meaningless. What does Jesus say about your words? You say, I love Jesus. Do you? Really? Do your actions show it? The way you deal with your money, your time, your energy? Are you about building the kingdom of God or are you about building your kingdom? Now, it's not meant today that this should be scolding you. Today, it's meant to say, please wake up. Understand the danger your soul is in. Take some time before the Lord. Ask him to reveal the fullness of your heart. Ask him to uncover any wickedness that's found in you. Ask him to bring you to a crisis point, to a boiling hot point where you finally will say, I can't do this anymore. I can't think this way. I can't act this way. I can't be sexually unclean and indecent. I can't drink that liquor anymore. I can't be shacked up with a woman I'm not married to anymore. I can't be filled with judgment and bitterness and hardness and harshness of heart. I can't speak this way to people. I can't curse anymore. I don't know what the issue is in your heart, but you do if you have allowed the Holy Spirit to have his way in you. Well, we're just about out of time for this broadcast. I would like to tell you that we're starting a new broadcast on 780 AM and here on YouTube on Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. You're welcome to watch. It's a, a children's story hour. It's 
the reading of Pilgrim's Progress with some explanation. It's a 26-minute program, and you're welcome to tune in and listen and watch and pray. That's every Saturday at 2 p.m. on 780 a.m. or here at nationalprayerchapel.com. You're welcome to watch. And give me feedback. Let me know if I'm hitting the mark. Let's pray. Lord, I come today thanking you for moving in the heart of so many people, calling them to repent of their sin and to get right with you. I rejoice with every sinner who turns from their wickedness and seeks your face. Lord, please come. Please establish a a standard of righteousness in this nation with revival power. Lord, wake up your church. Wake up your pastors before it's too late and you turn them out as you did King Saul and say, I'm grieved over you and I am going to leave you now because you have turned aside from me. Lord, have your way. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want to thank those of you who have already started giving to cover radio for this month. A dear brother from Carlsbad, California, sent an offering yesterday. I appreciate that. Gloria sent in her offering. I go to the post office every day, check, and I say, Lord, thank you for what came and thank you for what didn't come. We trust you. You're the one who moves in the hearts of people to give. So thank you. Write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I want to thank Ms. Cook from Alexandra. Thank you. I've been praying for you. I don't know what the issues are in your life, but you've been very kind to Jesus. And I know he loves you. I pray God's blessing for you. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. You can see the videos online. And you can also get directions to come to the National Prayer Chapel. You're welcome to come. We're a serious group. We're earnestly seeking Jesus, the Christ. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.